Hello, this is Jonathan Dorst, and I am back with another uh, episode of From Sunday to Monday. Ricky Jones is not with us this week. He is in Atlanta as an assessor for the our assessment center, which is a place where if you want to go plant a church in our denomination, you go, and they basically put you and your uh, spouse under a microscope and see if you have the personality and the training and the, the marriage and the wherewithal to plant a church. So he is um, he's part of the assessment team and uh, he's doing great. So, but I have with me today a special guest, Ross Turner. Ross is our student pastor here at River Oaks, and he's been here almost a year and a half, doing a great job. Uh, kids love him, parents love him, and uh, today we're going to be talking about something that Ross just did with his high school youth group, which was he took him on a retreat. So Ross, let's talk. You took a group of high schoolers and leaders on a retreat to the lake to talk about sex. Now, what I want to know is, are kids thinking about sex in high school? Jonathan, thank you for that hard question. I would say yes, uh, some more than others. Uh, not every kid is, is mulling over it all the time. There are some students that are not uh, dealing with a sexual drive 24-7, but most are. Um, <laughs> Most are. I would say 95% of them are. There's a couple students out of the 25 we brought that had questions like that, but the majority uh, leaned towards what are, was pretty common, which how do I deal with this knowing that I have it? So. Yeah. Well, just remembering back to when I was in high school, yeah. Yeah. it was uh, it was never far from my thoughts, and it was a constant <laughs> struggle. So I think it's probably safe to assume yeah. kids have not changed that much. Yeah, not, not too much between the generations, I don't think. Yeah, so, so yeah. this seems like a very timely retreat. Um, how did you approach the topic of sex and purity? Um, a lot of people, since this is my first retreat uh, with River Oaks, it is kind of a, a daunting thing to do first. Um, mm -hmm. However, I think what led me to do it was that most of the kids – that I was talking to on a one-on-one -on -one or small group basis had a lot of questions surrounding sexuality, gender, body image, and sex itself with marriage, um, but not always about marriage. Um, like the world does, it separates the question. And right. so that's kind of what I was kind of dealing with about for a year. And so I felt like, you know what, this is a, a, a challenge, but I think this is what God wants us to try to in investigate from his word. So um, we really kind of wanted to do it because of that. I think also because of identity. The students that I talked to had a lot of issues with just identity. I think the every question ultimately goes back to what is my identity in Christ? And so that's kind of how we approached it, uh, more from a positive standpoint of who we are in Christ, why God has designed it this way for the good. These are pre-fall designs. These are not attached to us because of sin. Um, mm -hmm. And try to approach it that way. And I think the kids really handled it very maturely, much more mature than I think I would have at their age, and they had good questions. They were very respectful. At the same time, I think they were very open to learning what God had to say. And I think for some of them, it was the first time they've ever heard anything uh, in a positive way about all the content that we talked about. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's one of the comments I heard from one of the high schoolers was that they'd never heard a Christian pastor talk about sex in a positive way. That your sex drive is normal and it's given to you by God. Um, needs to be controlled yeah. and God-honoring, but uh, that was sort of eye-opening, and, uh, mm -hmm. and I really appreciate that positive um, 
introduction to Mm -hmm. sexuality for them. So does the Bible talk about sex at all? Bible seems to make a lot of allusion to it. It uses its own type of language like one flesh and he he knew her. But it always talks about it in the context of marriage and design. Yeah. Um, it never isolates it. And when it does, it's not prescriptive in the Bible. It's it's obviously uh, finding a cultural a situation that's not prescribed by God, that's out of the ordinary, that's against God's will. Uh, but it never prescribes sex in, in a way that's un, unhonoring to the Lord. But it does speak about it more in the sense of, an illustration or a metaphor or mystery because in some ways it is a mystery of God's nature in his own personal relationship with himself. So it is kind of a mystery at the same time, intimacy, all those things. So it's spoken of in relationship with God and others in an exclusive way, not in a general way. So there, there is, in a way, it, it's so sacred that there's kind of language that's held back, mm-hmm. it seems like um, to me. But Genesis 2 it kind of starts us right off uh, with it, as it says, that he knew her, they saw each other as naked and were unashamed, and they knew each other as one flesh. And that was as, as soon as they were created together. So yes, it does, from the very start. Yeah, yeah in fact, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to go more than one or two books in the Bible without mm-hmm. uh, it mentioning sex. I think the... That's what's kind of mind-blowing for, for people. There's this myth, I think, about Christianity that we're very prudish and uh, pie in the sky, whereas if you read the Bible, it's actually very earthy. Yes. Embarrassing, Embarrassing. in some places. Yes. I think it was the ancient, or the old uh, rabbis, Jewish rabbis, used to say that you should be like 30 years old before you read the uh, book of Song of Solomon. <laughs> that sounds about right and probably also wise uh, uh, probably for, also for wise. pastoral leader. Uh, yeah. yeah, the first time I was introduced to Song of Solomon uh, in a teaching way uh, was through a joke uh, through my former boss actually um, asking me to jokingly teach Song of Solomon for my first sermon series when in his absence. And I told him even if he wanted me to, I would not. Um, that really wasn't a church that would have been open to anything, I don't think, that I had to say on Song of Solomon. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think um, it'd be hard-pressed to find the Bible not kind of give an allusion to the mystery of sex and, and how it's designed to bring us to, to know God more deeply. Yeah. yeah. It's even fairly graphic in some places mm-hmm. about sexual sin. It is. And then the Apostle Paul is, is very open yeah. about sex as well. Yes, yeah, the Apostle Paul seems to uh, be dealing with a uh, culture that is as bad as ours uh, when it comes to immorality and maybe probably, worse. Maybe worse. Yeah, may, maybe maybe worse. At least our country has laws against some of these things. Yeah, um, doesn't seem like his did. Therefore, it seemed like most of the epistles were always trying to uproot that from people's lives. Um, so yes, it seemed to be more prevalent, maybe even less restrained yeah, than it is now. We don't have temple prostitutes yep. in America. And we don't confuse that with our religion, apparently. <laughs> yeah. so, they did in ancient Rome and yeah. Greece, yeah. yeah. So very interesting. Now, Ross, do most parents, Christ, Christian parents, talk to their kids about sex in your experience? My experience, no. I would say most parents are doing pretty well in the common Christian Church talking about dating. Um, mm-hmm. If they get if they get to there, they're doing pretty well. Um, I don't know if that's where we should end the conversation. I do think there's wisdom in how we deal with it, and of course, students are always being bombarded by it on a constant basis from media and from peers. Um, so they're getting the blanks filled in. They're getting the answers, whether they think they're they're right or not. 
from the culture at all times. Uh, I think the parents are doing a good job of trying to uh, carefully talk about dating, but at the same time, we need to be, be a, a clear voice about what God's Word says. And I think most of the time, it is a scary thing. It's hard to uh, talk about something that, that is so intimate uh, when there is such a lack of wisdom. Um, and, and coming from a teenage perspective, uh, there's a lot of ignorance. Um, so there, there has to be an approach with wisdom there. So it, it is wise to pace that, obviously. But at the same time, silence is also dangerous. And, and I think uh, parents are doing well to try to talk about dating and sex um, as students get older. But most, most don't at all. And I think that's the danger that the Christian faces is that we're, we leave it as an open kind of blank page and the world fills in the answers. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what, what, from a pastoral perspective and parent perspective, I think we're having to fight constantly, is, is, is clarifying uh, and, and kind of really, I think, reminding kids that these are good things, but with God's control, uh, they're beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and my two daughters are both in your youth group, so I appreciate you doing this retreat so I don't have to talk to them about sex. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I think it might just make it worse for you, Jonathan. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> wait, that no, that's not what you intended, is it? That's not what I intended. I, okay. I, you I intended, intended uh, what? A partnership? I intended to be a partnership. I, yes. I basically would like these parent seminars, and this is the first one we're doing of the year. We're going to try to do two seminars, uh, one each semester each year, uh, where we talk about ethical things that teenagers are facing and just trying to help parents think through them together from kind of a teenage perspective and then bringing biblical and, and parental wisdom to the situation through conversations. So basically it was an introduction to these issues. Yeah. It wasn't trying to enmesh them into it. And it was trying to push them towards wisdom, which we would say is honor your father and mother uh, for this is right in the Lord. And that's kind of the direction we want to go with the parent seminars, I'm trying to get the kids to have conversations or deeper conversations with mom and dad about how do I handle myself as a Christian in this intimate area of my life. Uh, and that really is going to cause, I think, the church to have a healthier family unit, right. um, really. Yeah. So that's kind of the goal. Um, we don't want to bite off too much, but we don't want to avoid it either. So. And all joking aside, Ross, that's one of the things I really appreciate about your youth ministry and your philosophy of ministry is that you want to be partners with parents. And you're not trying to replace them. You're not trying to get between kids and parents. You're trying to come alongside parents and say, hey, you're still the main spiritual influence in your kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And I just want to help you. And I, I so appreciate that. And and you don't just talk about that. It's not just part of your philosophy of ministry. You actually do that. You, you do engage the parents and you do consistently uh, encourage the kids to go to their parents. And I really appreciate that about you. Well, thanks, Jonathan. I think from being a youth myself and seeing my parents disconnected from it, experiencing the lack of wisdom I had, uh, then realizing as a young adult that I hadn't learned a lot about the value of my parents in the Christian faith, um, it, it really kind of took away the resource that I needed in my life that God's given me. And there's a lot of philosophy ministry that will do one or the other. They will either um, take away the, the segregation of the students from the parents mm -hmm. and just lump them together and teach them like adults all the time. Or it will take them away from the parents and the church altogether and create some sort of subculture. Um, I think the Bible seems to be mediating somewhere in the middle and that most philosophies are going towards the middle today um, with different various, uh, various perspectives on parents. And so I think the best way is to have a teammate type of approach and try to support the parents as much as they're willing um, to ask. Because some parents don't want as much help. Some parents are on your door on a daily basis. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of feeling that out and supporting them as best you can, but not avoiding uh, telling the, the students from the get-go that I'm an echo of your mom and dad. Sorry about that. 
Uh, and that's kind of how it's always going to be. Yep. And so that's really my, I think my job is to be one of many uh, for the kids. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So when I was in college, a big thing was arguments between dating and courtship. So which is more biblical, Pastor Ross? Dating or courtship? Well, you know, some, some youth pastors lose their job over this question yeah. uh, because the preferences are so strong. And I think uh, we get upset about things we care about. And I think it is something to care very deeply about. Intimacy, um, relationships, it can be both the most wonderful thing and the most harmful thing sometimes in young adults' lives, teenage kids' lives. I do think that we have to have grace here. I think we have to understand that that's why I would say wisdom is appropriate to gather. And I think wisdom in the form of God's word and God's parents and mentors that he has in this church. So really to gauge what to do either way is based upon the family, mm-hmm. in my perspective. Um, I think the Bible leaves a lot of open-endedness for wisdom there. Um, and so that's why I think the Proverbs are written to make decisions on ethical issues like this. Uh, seek wisdom, as it says in Proverbs. Uh, fear the Lord to gather wisdom. The Word of God is the beginning of wisdom in many ways. So we, we kind of have to teach the kids that dating, whether it's dating, singleness, courting, whatever the terminology you want to use, all of it is leading towards pleasing God. It doesn't really matter the vehicle that we're going to use um, and, and kind of the preferences that we prefer. I think it's if we're trying to be pleasing to the Lord, that's what God is looking for. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, some parents say, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't date, we shouldn't kiss, hold hands, all those things. Uh, and that's good for that family. I think that's really, really good. Uh, we just have to do it with wisdom and be doing it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, not for self-righteousness, just like a kid that's just dating just to explore doesn't want to live in a licentious way. You know, so it, it's just kind of a little bit of we need all need wisdom together. And I think uh, there there are, I think, wiser ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably my perspective on we want to date intentionally um, towards something. And I think First Thessalonians 4, which was both the scariest passage on purity in the Bible and one that kind of wakes you up a little bit to what yeah. God's, he says, this is his will. It says that this seems to be a preparation of the control of the vessel, meaning the body. So it's not a preparation of self for self. It's a pre- uh, preparation of self for another. So it mm. seems to be a focus on, am I preparing myself for God's will? Uh, am I doing it? Am I preparing myself in a sense of a marriage? Uh, so I do think it's intentional dating or intentional singleness or intentional courting for pleasing God. So that's kind of how I instructed the kids and, and told the parents that's what we're here for to, to try to figure out as a team. So. so how old should a kid be when they start intentionally dating or courting? Well, do you give an age? I did not give an age. I know when I did, um, I think it was probably about right. I was 17. Um, you know, for me, whoa, I think whoa, that that's was, how old my uh, daughter is. Let's settle saying. down right here. That was about right for me. However, okay. my parents didn't tell me yes or no. I just kind of figured it out on my own. So I did it without a lot of wisdom still. Um, I think I knew the, the, the what not to do, but I didn't know really how to handle myself with honor in the sense of I'm preparing myself for something greater than this immediate relationship that I had. Yeah. And so I, I think that, again, it goes back to wisdom and, and how are you preparing yourself? Are you, you know, Intentional dating could also be something in the sense of more intentional friendship for the purpose of dating in the future. Nice. Um, most students that I meet with that ask these questions, I say you need to know them first through their friends, their family, and the Lord. That's really how you know people, yes. uh, not separated from all those people. 
and then you figure them out later. It needs to be wise to figure out who these people are, and that's part of controlling yourself for the purpose of wisdom. You gain wisdom by seeing who their friends are because typically that's really who they are. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say that there's not really an appropriate age. Um, I would say the later the better. Um, my own preference, I would say the later the better mm-hmm. um, because most kids in our society aren't really ready to um, be married. So that's kind of how I would direct them. Um, I really appreciate that. It, you're not giving legalistic rules of of one style of dating or one age, but rather uh, really emphasizing principles mm-hmm. and more of an overall life and family um, patterns and thoughtfulness. And that, and that really lines up with what my wife and I are, are mm-hmm. doing. I, we don't have an age where we're going to let our kids date, so to speak, but we've talked to them a lot about this very principle you're talking about, that mm-hmm. dating or courtship, however you want to call it, and marriage are connected. Yep. And we can't separate those. And I didn't get that growing up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I am my first girlfriend at 14. Yeah. And that was ridiculous. Yeah. We weren't thinking about marriage. Mm-hmm. We were thinking about when could we make out in the back of That's right. the church, That's right? right? And it was, and well, she was a Christian, so it was like, no, but it was... I didn't know what I was doing. I was mm-hmm. essentially shopping at a car lot without a driver's license. Exactly it. You know, and and so we've told our girls, listen, um, when you are in a place, now we want you to make friends. We want you to have guy friends and girlfriends and, and even go out on friend dates and really get to know people. But until you're in a place where you can consider getting married, yeah. we're going to ask you not to pair off. Mm-hmm. And ha- you know, have that special boyfriend, mm-hmm. and start something that may not be able to go anywhere yep. because it's it doesn't make sense, and it yeah. separates. It does like what you said. It separates marriage and dating. Yeah, I think that that's the the place where we all have to grow in wisdom as a family unit. The best with the church is trying to find you know how to make that transition the smoothest. Because I think some people will just avoid people altogether. Right. Uh, and that's also not very wise because, mm-hmm. you know, when you become 25 years old and you've never even talked to a girl, yeah. you know, you've got a little ways to go before you're still ready to marry. And I don't know if you want to wait till you're 30, you know. And so uh, four or five of the questions that I fielded uh, Thursday night at the retreat were questions about that. How do I talk to the girls? Yes. I mean, how do I even talk to them? So there is some wisdom as it comes to just personal growth. That, that kids do need to have. And I think part of it, to be honest, part of youth ministry and, and college ministry, that does give you a place to find people that are spiritually healthy. And I think that's good. And in fact, I encourage the kids, uh, if you have attraction for people, let's find it in a healthy place. Yep. Let's find a healthy place. It doesn't mean you make that the main thing, but you don't avoid it either. And I right. think it's important to know that that's safe here. Just don't make that too much of why you're here. Uh, so we kind of had to bridge that too because, you know, kids are kids. They're attracted to each other, and that's okay. You just want to make sure that they know that's not the main thing while you're here and don't put your identity in that and, and try to use wisdom. And that's what, you know, mentors and parents and pastors are for. So, yeah. And that's so. really good. I think in the culture, I think we're increasingly seeing young people who are – are unable to make relationships, mm-hmm. yes. but they're becoming more and more intimate with people. Yes. So they're having sex and looking at pornography yes. while not being able to make a simple friendship yes. or talk to someone in, in a, a non-sexual way. And and what I think what you and I are talking about is having is l- these kids need to learn how to 
have friends Correct. first. Exactly. They need to know how to have a relationship long before they consider yes. intimacy. That is, an, that is an excellent point, Jonathan. I think that that is where we're trying to steer the kids in a group context is that they have to learn to have friendship first is the, is the model. They have to learn how to do that because basically what every kid wants today is intimacy in an, in an immediate sense. And so it's always false. Yep. It's always false. Um, it's a false intimacy. And so real intimacy, uh, what we taught on Tuesday, or Thursday and Friday was it's created over time through the vehicles of servanthood and, and, and uh, sacrifice and things that the Bible seems to be teaching very clearly. And it takes time. It takes respect and trust and mutual love through, I think, intimate friendship. And we want to do that through guys with guys and girls with girls. And so I try to make that very clear. We had a lot of men, uh, young boys, asking me the question of, well, how do I, what, what do I do if, if I feel like I want to date, but when I'm not ready to date or whatever? And I said, you really need to focus your time on growing an intimate friendship with the guys around you. That's what you need to be pursuing really right now. And the girls, the same respect as kids in our youth, they always want to kind of commingle together and, and they're, they're not, they're, they're a little ignorant of the way our bodies are directed are towards one another. Um, so we need to be, be careful just commingling them together all the time. But try to be intentional about saying guys would be with guys for the purpose of intimate friendship and girls to be with girls. And yes, we can be around each other and we're not afraid of that, but we need to be intentional about that too. And so how girls and guys can fill that void of intimacy with peers is to learn to have deep friendship with people. And we need to direct them that way. And that's what we're trying to do on, on a small group basis. So, All right, Ross. Here's the million-dollar question. Great. In a world where you're almost you're never more than four or five clicks away from the most wicked and mm -hmm. depraved websites, yeah. how does a teenage boy stay pure? Well, we had a lot of questions about this, and we had a lot of questions about this from the girls too. Um, the question was, how do I stay away from pornography? How do I... Um, they weren't asking those questions as much as I was asking them for them, mm -hmm. um, but they had questions related to that, is they have to know themselves and their identity in Christ first. Um, I had one boy ask the question during our Q&A. He said, What's, what have you learned, Ross, that is the most important and uh, thing about creating and maintaining a healthy relationship? That was the question. And I said, the most important thing I have learned and am learning is to have my identity in Christ. So, I cannot try to find that in pornography, a girlfriend, even friendships, really. I have to find that in Christ. I have to hear that every day. Yep. Uh, that's what establishes me. Because if we don't believe that, we are teaching kids that they are incomplete people until they find boyfriend or girlfriend or porn site or whatever it is. We're teaching them that they are incomplete people. They are not whole until fill in the blank. But in Christ, we are whole. Um, Jesus is our model. He was a single man. And, and he was the greatest, uh, I think, um, man who's ever lived and has the greatest masculinity of any man who's ever lived. Uh, and he was, in, he was a single man, but he was not isolated. Yep. And so we can use that for both uh, girls and guys. We don't need as much a female role model. He is the, he is the universal man for all of us. Um, but at the same time, I think he's teaching us that we have to find our wholeness in the Father and what he has done. I really think that that is the primary way to fight pornography, to fight isolation, to fight yes. feeling lonely. Because if we're trying to fight with some Christian activity, it's still running us ragged. Yeah. 
and it's still leaving us empty. Um, and so that's why I think we have to keep going back there. And as Christian leaders, we have to, to realize that we have to keep directing them back to that, not to more activities, uh, not to more Christian principles, but to the person of Jesus mm. Christ. And I think and that's going to be a, a whole lifetime for them, but, but they definitely need to start down that road. And uh, the boys that I have known that have dated girls and it didn't work out, uh, they, they have seen that even more, I think, in their life to see, wow, that does make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is probably the best way to fight every form of sexual morality, but especially pornography, mm-hmm. uh, which is an image-based, uh, identity-shaming type of thing um, where, where kids are trying to find uh, the answer to who am I. Yeah. And I think they need to say, uh, as it says in the, in the Word, it says that you are my son and my daughter. They need to hear that. Uh, from the voice of the Lord. That's so good. I grew up, I, I think being taught, but certainly thinking that the key to staying pure was learning how to say no. Yes. And just self-control, which yes. put all the eggs into the basket of willpower. Yes. And I learned pretty quickly that I was not as strong yes. as I thought I was. Yes. And that the temptation was way harder than I ever thought it was. And it, I'll never forget, I read a quote one time by, I think it was a guy named Bruce Marshall who said, when a man knocks on the door of a brothel, he's looking for God. That's right. And that just floored me. Because then I began to, to think about it and read the scriptures in a new way of this idea that, yeah, we're, we're made for intimacy. Mm-hmm. We are made yeah. for beauty. We're made for uh, that acceptance that marriage brings. And so it makes sense. We're going to be looking for those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we look for them, and, and pornography promises to meet those yeah. needs, but it, it doesn't. It's a false intimacy. Right. It's a false acceptance. Yes. And it really is something that always promises something, never delivers, and it destroys our souls at the same time. Right. And when I began to realize it was a, the key is about finding Jesus to be beautiful, to finding, as you said, who I am in Christ and my acceptance in Him— that was the key for my battle for yeah. purity. Yeah. And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right on there um, with the way that you're talking about it and teaching it. So I really appreciate that. That's what I, that's what I go to when I, mm-hmm. when I teach yeah. as well and, and do premarital counseling mm-hmm. and marriage counseling. Yeah, so I, I basically left them uh, on Friday morning with just an encouragement try to lift them up at the start and try to, to, to send them in an encouraging way at the end. And the Bible seems to, you know, direct us on what to pursue is, is a who question. Mm-hmm. So both the, the affirmation of God the Father and God the Son, and the Son uh, is directing us toward the intimacy in Himself. Um, that's what Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5. And so we left them with the encouragement of letting them to know not to pursue compromise, because I think every Christian student knows not to pursue sex. Um, but not to pursue any form of compromise in the sense of um, to just be a flirtatious person all the time or to casually date mm-hmm. or to sext through your phone or whatever it is. Don't pursue any form of compromise. Uh, also, don't pursue marriage, which is what I was taught growing up. Implicitly uh, and in some ways overtly, I was taught to pursue a, a relationship that would make me happy all the time. Yeah. Uh, and that's also false. Um, it's, 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 you know, two broken people being, being wedded together. And I described it as a taste of heaven with a lot of thorns in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really how it is because it says that the, the true 
mirror is Christ in the church, as it says in Ephesians 5. So it's, it's to point us towards, with a very strong arrow, uh, the intimacy that it's pointing towards in Christ. Uh, so I told the students that we need to pursue the main thing, not sex and compromise, not marriage, uh, but the main thing is Jesus Christ. And pursue him, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're courting or whatever it might be. Um, and to fight sexual immorality with that and to pursue purity with that and to tie all those things, kind of cord all those things together with the main thing. Not, not to be known as Christians for all the things we don't do, but to be known for him to what we pursue. Um, so I hope that encouraged them a lot. I think it yeah. did. Um, and I left encouraged um, because it's a hard thing to talk about uh, for days. So well, That's great, Ross. And I can't wait to go home to my wife tonight and tell her, baby, thanks for marrying me, giving me a taste of heaven with a lot of thorns. A lot of thorns, man. It's just she true. She's just going to be excited I'm the, to I'm the thorns. Elizabeth is the blessing. She would probably say I'm the thorns. Amen. So, Amen. So. Okay, one last question. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, or listener, I don't know how many of there are out there. Uh, what are some good books about this topic, whether it's about <laughs> dating or about sexuality? I would say that just it depends on what you're looking for. I, I think there are a lot of good teaching books mm-hmm. I've read. Yeah. Um, Boundaries are, is a good book. Boundaries, uh, by, Boundaries Cloud by Cloud and Townsend. Townsend is a good book. Okay. I think that's a general principle book. Mm-hmm. It includes dating and relationships. I think, um, you know, also I would say um, I really did like Every Man's Battle, Every Young Man's Battle. I did enjoy that book. It's a little bit of a rule-oriented book, but I do, yeah. I do think that there's some good things in that because there is some behavioral things that we have to practice, environmental things um, as well. So I thought as a teenager – that was a good book, I think, to help me um, in some ways. But mainly the, the book I, I think I, I really um, enjoyed was kind of more theological, mm-hmm. um, a book about being chosen by Christ, um, Sproul's book. Um, you know, this mm-hmm. idea of being yes. chosen by God. I mean, you know, the identity question needs to be answered. It's, yep. it's not as much behavioral, but there is commitment to behavior and environment. Yeah. Um, so it's not making that one the primary one, but it is including that because it's not just – you know, wait and see and see what happens. It is, you know, you still is put to death the deeds of the flesh. So there's a little bit of, uh, I think, both that for me. I mean, I think I benefited from every book I've read in some ways, but I would say those couple were, were decent yeah. for me. I have two that I would add to that list. Um, one is called, I think it's called Dating, Sex, and Marriage. Or maybe it's Sex, Dating, and Relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that's not really helpful if I don't know the title. No, I mean, I, I, I haven't read that one, but... That's the book I gave you last week. The book you gave, yes, but, that's right. Um, anyway, it was, it was very well done, and it, it basically backs up all my principles for, mm-hmm. for dating for my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book, I do remember the title and the author. Uh, it is called Surfing for God mm. by a guy named Cusick. His last name Cusick with a C. And... It is one of the best books. There's also a book by Harry Schomburg called um, False Intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and But I think uh, Surfing for God is a little more readable, mm-hmm. a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's maybe a really good companion to every yeah. man's battle, yeah. or every young man's that battle. Be because it's, it is much more of the um, who we are mm-hmm. at core in our hearts and the mm-hmm. battle and the spiritual dimension, whereas every man's battle, every young man's battle, is like you said, it's very behavioral. It's very behavioral. It's you know, yes. God wants you to rise up and get it done, and yes. and there's truth to that, but 
I think surfing for God, false intimacy, give you the other side of the coin, which mm-hmm. is you really have to fight this with the with spiritual weapons. Yes. And your and your union with Christ. Yes. So. Good and I, stuff. And I would also say, I think there another good book I did enjoy. I read the first, I'd say the first three or four chapters that I really did enjoy. It was called Soul Virgins, and that was a pretty good book. It's talking about, again, purity and identity. Um, and that was a good book that was given to me by a counselor back in Dallas. It's a real good book. So all those should help. I, w- I would say at least one book on identity and one just real practical kind of book would probably help um, kids. But definitely starting with identity is the first place the Bible seems to always start with. So, yeah. Good. Well, thanks so much for being our special guest here on From Sunday to Monday. Extra special. We hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, Ricky should be back next week. And uh, we miss you already, Ricky. Bye, Ricky. Bye.